Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you for a special episode of a show we're calling the Steelers Q&A, where it is what it says it is. We are going to answer your questions. Um, this was supposed to be our Sunday show. Uh, nonetheless, we had to have a last-second switch, and it was just supposed to be me, but Dave Schofield was so kind he decided to chime in and join in on the fun and and we want to basically take this show and i've done one of these before i'm not sure if i titled it the same way but we want to take this show and basically give it a forum for you the listener the viewer a chance to have your questions answered because there's a lot of times where people will say that you know they're trying to ask questions in the live chat during shows but we have an agenda tonight we have no agenda so dave welcome to the show Hey, I'm ready to do this. Let's see what people have to ask tonight. Yeah, so again, the more people that chime in uh, is great, but it's also going to be more difficult for us to see your questions because there's going to be a lot to choose from. If you want to use the Super Chat feature, that is the small money sign on the right side of the comment box. You can click that, donate any amount of money you want to the show. It goes directly to the show. Uh, and we obviously are going to utilize that in a bunch of different ways. Nonetheless, you don't have to use it. But you can, and if you do, it'll highlight your question, and it'll guaranteed to be answered. So, Dave, before we get started, I think this is an appropriate uh, question to start off with, and this comes from uh, Andrea. Uh, Andre, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. I feel like I'm, I'm a teacher, and I go through names all the time. Like, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. Uh, are you guys tired of hearing the fire Tomlin rants? Dave, are you tired of it? We hear it all the time. Oh, absolutely, because it's... It's it's one thing. I mean, anytime there's a loss, it's fire Tomlin. Sometimes even if there's a win, it's fire Tomlin. Um, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve criticism ever. It's just it's the same old thing that this is everyone thinks they have the easy answer. And that's not an easy answer. It comes down to like coaches and quarterbacks, in my opinion, get too much credit when they win and they get too much blame when they lose. So typically there's a happy median there. And, um, you know, it, it, a coach is, it, it, they're reviewed on one thing, wins and losses. The one thing that I don't like, and I fully would expect, and I guarantee if you ask Mike Tomlin in a candid situation, hey, you know, if do you hear the 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 noise, so to speak? He would say, yeah, absolutely I do. And, and he expects it if they lose. He would expect hashtag fire Tomlin to be trending after the Steelers are 0-3. But if they win games, that's when I don't like when people never give him credit. That's what I hate the most because that seems to be out of the Fire Tomlin crew. They're so devout in their thoughts on getting rid of the head coach that they're never willing to ever say, you know, okay, that was a good win. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. never, like, that was a great job. Like, even after, you know, Mr. Third and Fifth and they butt naked and robbed a go, and you hear all these backstories, and man, Tomlin kept that thing together for a long time. Like, that's amazing. Don't ever give him credit. Never give him credit. So, all right. Enough of the fire Tomlin stuff. Here we go. Question from Ron. He says, Jeff and Dave, do you think the Steelers will be able to run the ball on the Bengals' weak run defense? What do you think, Dave? Uh, if they want to win, they better be able to. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the Bengals are pretty good up front, but not as good as what the Steelers have been seeing. So yeah. it also helps that, um, let's see, Carl Lawson is doubtful. 
Um, there's another defensive end. It's not Dunlap. It's another one. I can't remember which one it is. Is it might be a backup that's that's out. So that's they're they're a little thin there. So yeah, let's just let's let's pound the ball at them. Let's let's get it done. The funny thing is, is that I'm, I, I I do this every week. I'm not sure if a lot of people read these articles. I find them very informative. Where I ask questions to the opponent, the opponent's SB Nation site, one of their writers or their editor, and essentially ask them questions like, "Hey, you know, if the Steelers have the ball, what's the what's the opponent like? In this case, what's the Bengals defense going to do?" And he talked at length about how the Steelers are a team that they're going to want to make one dimensional, but we know this, uh, but. He said that they've been putting, you know, they've been doing different alignments to potentially stop the run after they, uh, San Francisco 49ers tallied well over 200 yards against them on the ground in week two. And he said it would be up to the Steelers to throw the ball to get them out of that alignment. And that's when you can really run on them. So that might scare you a little bit. They're going to come in trying to stop the run. They're going to want to make Mason Rudolph beat them. And it's just going to be a question of whether they will. When I say this, immediately my mind goes to the Steelers are going to come out slinging it. Dave, you agree or disagree? Uh, I I I don't disagree. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's well, throwing it. Hey, if, if they're going to put eight guys in the box and everyone up close and do what San it. Francisco did, like they did in the first half, throw it. You throw have it. to. You have yeah, to. You, you, you have to. You've stopped trying to do what you want to do and do what they're dictating that you need to do to beat them. Do whatever right. you have to do to, to to be successful. Yeah. Uh, simple question. Dallas says, is the Bengals defense worse than the Steelers? What are your thoughts on that, Dave? I think Monday will be a good test <laughs> just because, you know, going against each other, you'll really be able to, to see that. I don't think that their defense is, is horrible, uh, horrible, but I think the Steelers have much better players on their defense. The question is, are they actually getting it together, communicating well, put in, being put in situations where individual players are given a chance to succeed. Um, that's the big question. Yeah. Uh, they, they remind me a lot of each other, the two defenses yeah. that are about to go head to head, not really good at stopping the run. They're pretty good at getting after the passer. Um, the secondary is not bad. You know, they have William Jackson. Uh, they have uh Three Kirkpatrick, they have two good safeties. Uh, so it'll be an interesting matchup. Interesting matchup indeed. Here's the next question. Brian says, is Rudolph going to come out this week looking like the Rudolph of the first half last week or like the preseason Rudolph? What are your thoughts on expectations for our boy Mason Rudolph? I'd like to see. I'm, I'd be even happy with somewhere in the middle. I still feel that the second half against Seattle was kind of in the middle of those two. I'd be ecstatic if it was the second half of the Seattle game, Mason Rudolph, because I thought he played well in that situation. Um, I know it's funny because his, whether you thought he threw him under the bus or not, but coach Feekner was saying, Oh, he had guys down the field. He just didn't throw the ball. We just didn't throw the ball. Um, I don't know if that's really the case. Um, let's just, I, and I don't want to dwell on it. I don't want to go back and, and watch that last game. I, I want to see coming up what they're going yeah. to do. He, he had his shots and he didn't take it. And I don't blame him. You're in a hostile environment. You're on the road. Your very first NFL start, the last thing you want is that back-breaking turnover. And he decided to check it down a bunch of times, especially early in the game. I think Rudolph's going to look comfortable. I think he's going to look more like you said, Dave, second half Seattle Seahawks type. Um, I think they're going to be under center a little more. I thought it was very interesting that Mason Rudolph, if you watched his 
uh, media availability this week, which was posted on the Steelers Twitter account. Um, he talked about how one of the reasons why they weren't under center that much last week is that he hadn't had a lot of work with Marquise Pouncey under center. Uh, he said that every time he took snaps, it was BJ Finney or it was someone else. And that uh, Pouncey, because he didn't play in the preseason hardly at all. And if he did, it was Ben Roethlisberger taking snaps from him. So it took him some time. And so that made sense. And I was, I was like, you know what? That's a candid answer. So I appreciated that. All right. Yep. Snow, Snowman puts $5 in the tip jar. He says, do you like the aggressive way the Steelers are being with recent trades? Dave, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel some people feel like, well, they traded too much. I don't think they gave up too much for, for Fitzpatrick. I think they're getting back. Like I say, if you looked at it simply for trade, or for or, or for draft value from the 2018 draft, you would take that as good value with what you were able to do. Uh, then with the one uh, for for Vanette, that was basically Josh Dobbs for Nick Vanette. And how many people were screaming uh, during the preseason? We need to trade Dobbs for we need to trade Dobbs for a tight end. Trade Dobbs for a tight end. Guess what they did? They traded Dobbs, and then a couple weeks later, they used what they got from Dobbs exactly to get a tight end. So you got exactly what you wanted. Don't complain about it. Everyone was screaming, all oh, the Steelers were weak at safety and tight end. Weak at safety and tight end. You know what they did? They went out and got better at safety and tight end. Well, what do you want? That, yeah, exactly. I agree with 100%. Not only that, what were they all saying? We want Hodges on the team. Get rid of Dobbs. And look, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you got your wish. Yeah, people are still complaining. Still complaining. So there yep. you go. And I kind of wrote that article today. If you haven't checked it out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, which is essentially a letter from the editor saying that Steelers fans can't have their cake and eat it too. And that is that you can't complain about like free agency and the start of the new league year, how they don't do anything. And then when they're doing stuff, you're complaining because they're giving away their draft picks. Like you can't have it both ways. You, you, you just can't be happy with what they're doing or not. And Lance and I talked about that on the standard of the standard about how the Steelers way is, is morphing. It's changing because it has to. It has to. This isn't the 70s. You, you have free agency. You have these unique contracts now and, and these, these huge egos that are now a part of your team. It's just not the same. You can't always just build it through the draft. You have to look elsewhere, and they're doing that. I give them credit for that. All right, let's see. Uh, here's a good question from Ron. He says, Jeff, Dave, do you agree with the talent on this defense that it can turn around? Go ahead, Dave. Absolutely, as long as they're being put in the right situations to succeed. Exactly. That's what, that's what they've been well, I'm not just blaming it on coaching. I don't want to just say, oh, the coach is wrong. Maybe the coaches. <laughs> yes, it's, it is an enormous problem. And I don't want to be one of those guys that's just blaming the coaches. Maybe it's just figuring it all out along the way as well for both the players and the coaches that everyone can be put in the best situation. Now, I know we don't have a lot of faith in that because we, uh, you're going to get an article from me whenever Jeff decides he wants to do it, whether it's tomorrow or Monday. Um, thinking back to that game against... I'm going to send San Diego again against the Los Angeles Chargers last December. And I mean, you're not when you when you're putting John Bostic in the game in an obvious passing situation, could you think they might run it? And they are specifically setting it up to where he's matched up on their best receiver in Keenan Allen. You are not putting your player in a position to succeed. That's never going to work. You can't put that on Bostic. You can't ask somebody to do something or you're putting them in a terrible situation. Um, I remember one time, uh, not to go back to my old football, um, high school football days, um, our defense was on the field. 
someone didn't someone didn't go out there where they were supposed to be. I was supposed to be off that series because I'm I played 100 percent offense, but I didn't play all the time on defense. Um, and coach just grabbed me and said, "Get out there, we need someone." So I go running out there, get on sides, run up at the snap of the ball. I'm trying to run up to the to the line of scrimmage, couldn't get down in a stance in time, and I took a helmet right in the sternum. I mean, I got the wind knocked out of me like crazy. The other key team calls a timeout out of that play. And I'm sitting there doing everything I can to try to keep it together. And the coach comes out and yells at me like I'm out of shape from running out of there. I'm like, you just got me killed sending me out here like that. I mean, come on, put me in a better situation, coach. You had me running out there at the last second when it wasn't my fault. And I got killed. Okay. That's what, in essence, that's what I feel would happen to John Bostic against, against, I know we're talking about someone who's not even on the team anymore, but, but it's still the same coaches. And when, when, when teams know what they can do to, and, and you're not going to change up what you're doing to get in those situations, that's a problem. You've got to figure out how to get your guys in their best situations all the time. Well, and let's let let's be honest. The Steelers are typically a slow starting team. Their record in September is just not very good. Uh, and let's also not forget that the combined win loss record for the three teams that they've already played is uh what eight, eight and one. one. It, it let's not forget that the teams they're playing are also very good. And so go ahead, Dave. You I was I've been screaming that for a while, yeah, and Dave, everyone's like, "Oh, this team is terrible." I'm like, look who that. I mean, did we expect San Francisco to be this good? Are we really sure that they're this good? No, but they're three and zero. But okay? and let me ask you this: If Ben Roethlisberger is completely healthy and he's the quarterback in that game, yeah, well, I'll, I'll be honest wonder, with you. Yeah. If he's completely healthy, because like well, I say, thing, yeah, I look he's... back at that Seattle game and I'm like, I still think Rudolph outplayed Ben. But that was, ben was hurt. hurt Ben. Yeah. So. Okay. Let's move on. We can spend all day talking about this defense. <laughs> Anthony Johnson puts $5 in the tip jar. Appreciate that, sir. And he says, I see so much hate for Ryan Switzer on Twitter. He's always been solid, in my opinion. Do you all think he's a part of the problem with our offensive struggles? Dave, go ahead. Ryan Switzer is what Ryan Switzer is. He is a possession receiver. He's going to catch the ball. He's not going to have it go through his hands and let the other team intercept it. He's not going to only have three catches on 10 targets. Um, he's going to catch it, but he's not, he doesn't have breakaway speed. He doesn't have, you know, great moves to, to get away. Where you throw him the ball is pretty much where he's going to be tackled. There is a way to use a player like that. I don't know that they're using the best way. He wasn't on the field at all last week. Zero offensive snaps. Um, so he is what he is. So expecting him to be something other than what he is is kind of crazy. So I don't know if that answers the question or not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely I, – I, I don't know. I'm looking at the live chat here trying to find our next question. Um there's <laughs> a good one from Dallas. Do you think that the Steelers could use Dan McCullers as a running back? Like they used to use the refrigerator Perry in Chicago. I'll go ahead and answer that one. No, because <laughs> he would probably just get stood up at the line of scrimmage like he does whenever he's on the field. Anyways. Well, uh, they need a, they need a fullback, but I mean, even because Xavier Grimble was filling in at fullback and now he's on IR um, mysteriously, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, but you'd have to actually run the ball in an I formation under center in order for that kind of fullback to be effective. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Okay, so I'm caught up. I need to go back to some ones that I missed. I was worried. Okay, here's a good one, and this is from Truth For All. He said, should the Steelers consider picking up LJ Ford again? Uh, let's 
touch briefly while we have a, a second to breathe here, Dave, um, from the questions about that whole situation. You're, you wrote an article today for the website about the the Eagles releasing LJ Ford, and that clearly impacts the equation for their compensatory pick that everyone thought they were going to get when Le'Veon Bell left. What's going on with that, and what are the Steelers possibly going to have to do? Yeah, I brought this up back in May, revisited it in August to keep reminding people this third round pick for Mr. What is it? But naked get robbed. Is that, is that yeah, what we're going with? That is it. Um, yeah. Okay. That, 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 that comp pick, the only way it works, I've really div, had to dive into the compensatory formula stuff. So you have, it's all based on the number of, of free agents you lose versus the number of free agents you sign. Now, free agents meaning someone who's left another team because because they not because they were released, but because their contract was over and the other team wasn't able to sign them again. So someone like Mark Barron didn't count in the formula. Someone like Johnny Holden, he didn't count in the formula. Plus, there's also a date that you have to want after that time you can sign anybody and it's not going to affect it. So if you sign somebody now, doesn't affect the compensatory formula. Okay. So, so those are two guys that didn't count. The Steelers had lost three guys, Bell, James, and Fort. And they had signed to Nelson and Moncrief. You have to have a net loss in players in order for you to get a comp pick. If you have two players lost versus two players gained, doesn't matter what the contracts are. Now, the NFL can go in if it's, it's really egregious, like if you lost two third-round guys and signed two seventh-round guys, and they could throw a pick at you. It might, it's probably not going to be a third. It's going to be something lower. Um, but you're not guaranteed anything. That, that would be like a gift. And the Steelers aren't going to have that. So by LJ Ford, and this is what I, I still don't like that this is the rule, that if they get cut by their team after the season starts, that it, that affects the Steelers. So the Steelers technically now have only lost two free agents, Bell and James, and they have signed to Nelson and Moncrief, which means they cancel everyone out. No comp pick for the Steelers. None. Zero. Their only thing they can do to fix that at this point is to either release by week 10, Nelson or Moncrief. Well, we know which one it would be. It oh, absolutely. <laughs> which was funny because I wrote this article back in May and everyone's like, no way. Who cares about a third round pick? We need this receiver. He's going to be our number two. And now it's looking like we could use that third you round need pick. That third round pick. And yeah. he's number, I mean, the, the only thing that he's compared to as a number two is uh, has nothing to do with football, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, because that has well, been what his play has looked like on the field. <laughs> It definitely took me by surprise when I saw that Fort was released. I, I spoke with uh, Brandon Lee Galton, who's the editor at uh, Bleeding Green Nation, which is the largest NFL site on our network. And uh, he had spoken glowingly about Ford in, in the preseason, at least, and that he was obviously made the 53-man roster. I'm not sure if he had been inactive during the regular season. I didn't follow that closely. But when they got rid of him, I was like, shoot, that's going to impact the Steelers. And so that's when Dave got on that article and published it. So if you want more details, go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, check out that article, and by, by all means, it'll make more sense. Um, anything to say about that again, Dave? Um, they have some time to decide. Yes. that They have until week 10. But you also have to remember, because this was someone in the comments said, why didn't you say that article? I didn't think I needed to. But if someone gets hurt... It's a lot harder to release them because of grievances and everything like that, that they're more likely to go on an 
IR than anything about, about just being released. I'm going to go on record right now and say if Dante Moncrief is inactive in week four, he's gone. Because you you bring this guy in to what? Wear street clothes on this on Sundays? Exactly. Or, or Mondays? You're not now. He's so, the highest paid wide receiver on the team. I know. Why are you no. having your highest paid wide receiver um, not even active on game day? Well, it's because he can't catch a football. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, here's another question from Ron. Ron Chess is a longtime listener of the show. Jay, Jeff and Dave, do you agree that if the offense has more clock control, this defense will look better? I'll go first here, Dave, and say that absolutely. Um, the Steelers' offense going three and out frequently. The Steelers' offense inability to run the football. Because remember, every incompletion stops the clock. Uh, if you run the football, it can kind of milk the clock. You get some first downs. It gives your defense a break. And they can't do that, at least not in unison. When the Steelers start the game on defense and they are really getting after it, and you saw Stefan do it, uh, just, he's just like a, a man amongst boys is what he looks like recently in the first half. But in the second half, it looks like they're just fatigued. They're really tired. And so, you know, I, I just don't understand. It, it seems very clear cut to me that yes, if the Steelers can run the ball, if they can grind out some clock, it's going to make the defense better. You agree, D Dave, or no? Oh yeah, the 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 best thing your defense can do is they don't give up points when they're not on the field. They're guaranteed to not give up points as a defense when they're not on the field. So you got to keep your defense off the field as much as you can. Ball possession has always been a key to football since its invention. So yeah, keep that defense off the field, hold the ball for yourself. Everyone's going to look better. Yes. And so we have $5 from shield. He uh, says, Hey guys, just checking in from the Pirates game tonight. Can't wait for my first game Monday. So Shields, one of the ten people that are at the Pittsburgh Pirates Cincinnati Reds game right now. Last time, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty accurate too. Yeah, well, no, they're honoring Steve Blast tonight. It might be uh, more than that, but um, I have checked in on the scores. The Pirates are up two to one. Last I saw, uh, Shields going to his first game Monday. That's awesome. Um, enjoy it. Take it all in. It's it's crazy. Uh, it's, it's really, it's a unique experience. And unless you've been there, you, you don't know, you just don't know. Dave's a season ticket holder. He's been there enough. And I bet Dave, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that every time you go, it's special. Absolutely. I mean, I can remember something specific about not even just the game itself, just of my experience of going to every game that I've been to. And it's, uh, I've been a season ticket holder now. I think this is my maybe my fourth season. So it's not like I've been going to a ton of games for a long time, but every one of them special. And I, I would go to all of them if I could. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's like, it's like you're there with a giant, your, your family is 64,000 strong and you're all there twirling your towels. Um, Jeff sports blitz asked me a question. He said, do I want to coach for the Steelers? Um, it would be a really cool opportunity, but I'd probably take a hard pass on that. Just coaching in the NFL is not my really for me right now. So, um, this is here. This is interesting because Dennis, he's always in, a, there's a lot of anti Tomlin talk going on in our live chat right now and that was the first question so maybe that's why um and someone said that they should trade mike tomlin and dennis said you people are silly you can't trade a coach that's not true 
You can. There's been a very <laughs> the Oakland Raiders did. <laughs> exactly. They traded John Gruden to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, he won a Super Bowl for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, yes, you can trade a coach. Oh, but um, that was Dungy's players. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> so you can fire a coach, then uh, you can also trade a coach. It's rare, but it has happened. Tony Dungy, I, he can't be that upset. He ended up going to Indianapolis and having a great gig there and having a lot of success. So there you go. Um, but yes, a lot of people saying that Tomlin needs to be fired. And hey, I'll ask the question to, to the people in the, um, in the live chat. Who is to blame for poor performance? And this is something that Brian Anthony Davis, I think, talked about on a hangover one time. Do you blame the coaches or do you blame the players? I think it just comes down to the individual. Some people blame the coach. Clearly, there are some of those people in the live chat today. Or there are some people that say, you know what? And I'm one of these people by chance because I was a coach uh, for a long time. And I was also a player for a long time. Um, but it's one of those situations where if I'm a football coach and I put a player in position to succeed and he misses the tackle, well, how's that my fault? You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not saying I'm taking the blame away from myself. As a coach, you shoulder that blame. Dave, you coach, you know what that's like. But at the same time, it comes down to where do you fall on this fence of who would you put more of an onus on? It, it really depends on the situation because yeah. – I'm not trying to, to, to take a cop out, but I've actually been on coaching staffs where I've seen that I'm like, you're not putting your players in a good uh, position to succeed. That's something I'm really keen on because I've seen it. And I'm like, it, it got to a point at one point, I'm like, you know what? If I don't, I don't feel, I feel like I, 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 I so know what would help this team just with personnel wise and getting them to succeed. And I finally got someone to listen to me and they marched right down the field and scored. And then they never put the same guys on the field again. So I'm like, this is crazy. I said, you know what? I'm going to go be a scout um, for, for certain games and just coach my, cause you know, it's multi-level and in, in high school. And at the time I was coaching, I was coaching the, uh, the, the freshman football team. And I'm like, I'm just going to go scout for the varsity team because I just feel like I could be better served them because there's, there's just sometimes where you can tell that there's just something that you can do in this situation. I don't know that it's on Tomlin. I don't know that it's on the coordinators. Um, I'm still wondering if Feekner said those things because maybe there's so much noise about, Hey, he can't do this without Ben. And maybe that's why he made the comments he made. Maybe he's just trying to get, um, get Mason Rudolph motivated. I think right now it's, it's a figuring out of everything. It's the players figuring out each other and the coaches and the coaches figuring out the best way to do with players. So I, I can't put it squarely on one or the other right now. Every, yeah. Everyone has their way of motivating their team. Uh, and when you have the media accessible to you, for instance, the coordinators are typically on Thursday. It was Friday this week because of the, um, you know, uh, without a, the extra day. Uh, I, I just don't, I didn't take too much context into Feetner's comments personally, yeah. but uh, it is what it is. Here we go, Felicia. Yeah. Felicia's back in the live chat. Felicia's $10. back again. That's right, yes. $10 in the tip jar. We appreciate that, Felicia. You're our favorite. 
She said, okay, I see Monday is supposed to rain 30 to 40% with Ben. I know what to expect with Mason. The unknown is killing me. I'm hopeful for a win or it's a long flight back to Lake Charles, Louisiana. Because she is going. I'm pretty sure she said that's her, going to be her first game. Yes. I know she's, I know she's going to be at that game um, because I remember her saying that a while ago. But I didn't see the weather forecast. I didn't know that. Did, did Had you seen that, Jeff? Uh, I had not seen that it was a chance of, I mean, at this point, I mean, 30 to 40% is not a high percentage of, you know, what precipitation. I did see something that there was a chance of thunderstorms there in the afternoon. So I'm like, I hope it's not a situation. Well, I don't uh, know. They played, they played pretty well after that since I think, but, oh, I mean, could you imagine being a, being a, an eight fifteen kickoff and it gets pushed back because of weather? That happened in yeah. the preseason. Yeah, but that's you expect that in August. You don't expect that. This is this is the the eve of October. We shouldn't be dealing with that. Yeah, no, you're right. And so um, the the thing is, Felicia, which you comment kind of was the crux of was we don't know what to expect from Mason Rudolph. Um, he's had a crutch every step along the way so far. Inserted into the lineup against Seattle, played well, but at the same time, eh, he wasn't expecting to start. Uh, week one has a full week of prep. His first week of prep as a starter. First starts on the road. Uh, it's tough, tough to win in that situation. He, I'm not sure if he has a, a he has a crutch because he's still a young player. But at the same time, I'm not sure if he has a uh, a, a really a, a really good leg to stand on if he if he has another dud in week four at home in prime time. There's going to be pressure, yeah. and I wouldn't if, if he does not play well in week four. I'm not going to sit there and say that. There's no hope for him at all. He's still, uh, it would be his second start. I mean, I know that we're all, we all want the wins now. We want the promise now. People need to think back to Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year. The, the, the thing that made Ben's rookie year so great is that he had a really good running game and a phenomenal defense. And right now, Rudolph doesn't have either of those. He doesn't have a strong running game and his defense has potential but it's not, you know, it's not what it was in 2004. So, Dave, you can speak to that if you'd like. Um, I said I didn't have any good any expectations for him going into San Francisco. I said that I thought that the Steelers would not win that game because it's going to take him a little bit of time to figure it out. But it didn't mean that the season was over. The frustrating part was that they were given so many opportunities with the game with the turnovers. I think he's going to bounce back to be ready to do this. I think this is the right opponent at the right time on the right stage. Now's the time. The one thing that I felt was really missing last week was what they did do in the second half against Seattle. That was the flea flicker. That was the nice play action touchdown pass to Vance McDonald. That was throwing in something that you didn't hadn't really seen and didn't really expect. I felt that a lot of what they did was their formations were what you expected. I felt their personnel was what you expected. It's just they might not have always done the same thing out of it, perhaps. So really do something extreme. Do something to change it up pretty good. I want to see that Monday. That'll well, help Mason out a lot. If the Steelers want to use that 2004 template, they certainly could. If you think back to Ben's stat lines his rookie year, you would see things like Ben Roethlisberger finished 19 of 26 for 200 yards he had two touchdowns or one touchdown and no interceptions, and they rushed the ball for 100 and 175 combined yards or something like that. If mm -hmm. they could run the ball 
and help help Mason out a little bit by running the football and controlling the clock like we talked about later. So earlier, I should say, not later. Um, okay. Uh, here's a question for from Dallas. He said, did the Steelers get the best tight end available? Well, and he's talking about Nick Vanette. Not Verrett, like I said, that's Frank. Yeah. That's Frank, his brother. Yeah. Um, but still, um, they well, he wasn't available. <laughs> they wow. traded for him, so I, it comes down to then: who is a team that is willing to trade a decent tight end, and how much do they want him for? And so clearly, I mean, everything you've heard from him, from Mike Tomlin, is that they've targeted him in the past, like they've liked him as a player for years, not just recently. And they finally got a chance to get him and they did. Dave, was there anyone else that you would have tried to go after, I guess? No. When I reached out to Brandon from field goals, he said uh, he was surprised that the Steelers made the trade that he just would have said, he said he would have signed Luke Wilson, which of course is what Seattle did whenever, whenever um, they traded Vanette to the Steelers. But that's also coming from someone who that's your team. And those are the guys you're used to. You've got to look at the Steelers went after a guy that they thought could do what they wanted them to do, that they thought would be a good fit. And that's why they targeted him. And they've done, I feel that they've done pretty well with that with tight ends. If they could just stay healthy, I'm sorry. Ladarius Green was a great tight end that just couldn't get on the field because of health. Vance McDonald is a great tight end. He just struggles with not being injured. They've these are the these are the three tight ends that they've gone out of their way to get either free agency or trade. So I I think they can figure out who it is that they want. And if they say they want him for a reason, then I'm going to trust that. Yeah, absolutely. Now here's a, an interesting point from William. He and this is a good question for you. If you were to compare Nick Vanette to a former Steeler tight end, uh, who would it be? He said Bruner. It reminded him of Bruner. Some have said Jesse James most recently. It was here last year. When you see highlights or footage of him playing, Dave, is there any particular player that comes to mind? Well, I originally thought he was more of a Matt Spath, but I do think that he's, I mean, Spath was used so sparingly in the passing game. Yes. I mean, extremely sparingly. You used him a lot, just not oh, in the yeah. passing game. <laughs> just not in the passing game. Right. So no, he got used a lot. And he was a and he was a great role player for the Steelers. He really was. And that was another great example of fit because he moved on, went to the Bears, didn't work, came back. Um, could could possibly see the same thing with uh one Jesse James, you, I would never rule that out. That uh, we'll see how that's working out for him in Detroit, because right now it doesn't seem like he's living up to the contract that they gave him. So, but no, I'm glad he got his contract. He was smart and he did the right thing. Absolutely. But uh, I would love to see him back next season. But who? I'm not worried about next season. No. I'm worried. I'm worried about right now. And so I'm saying, I don't know that he's quite quite the pass catcher yet because he hasn't been used in that way as even a Jesse James who got Jesse James had a lot of touchdowns for the Steelers for someone who played as much as he did. So I could see him more in that role. If, if given the opportunity, he just hasn't had the chance to do that yet in Seattle. Yeah. That's something that Vanette said in his media scrum 
after he had a first full practice, he said that he's really excited because he knows that the Steelers are not afraid to feature their tight ends. And I'm not sure if that's the case with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, but I would think that that says something to me, not only about the Seattle offense and how they utilize their tight ends, but that he's looking at this as a really good opportunity for him to show himself. It's a contract year for this guy. Don't forget yeah. that. Yeah. He's going to be a free agent next year. This is the final year of his rookie contract. He's going to look to impress to some turns and heads because he wants to make money and he wants to cash in like Jesse James did with the Detroit Lions. And so if he can play at, play well, and I guarantee he's chomping at the bit on Monday night to get out there. I'm also going to say one other thing about that. Don't yeah. be surprised if he does well in the offseason that he looks to do a one-year deal with Pittsburgh to say, hey, I want to show what I can do for a full season, but I still want the chance to then go out and make my big money if, if he thinks it could be time. So don't the Steelers get first crack at him. And don't be surprised if it would be something like a one-year deal. Yeah. Um, on, um, that would be discounted. Because, I mean, I – I mean, he's from Columbus, so it kind of makes sense that he's kind of coming back home. Yeah. But I don't know that we've really talked enough about how much Vance McDonald going out of that game pretty early last week impacted Mason Rudolph. I mean, that was his, he hit him for two touchdowns the week before in the second half. He was kind of like his safety valve. And now all of a sudden, all he has is, Xavier Grimble, and then the one time he tries to get him the ball, throwing from his own end zone, Grimble doesn't come up with it right there. I mean, that that's got to shake you for a little bit. So I'm hoping that this could maybe give Rudolph, who worked, they, these two worked out together in the offseason. That's right. They have a, I was almost said the same agent, but it's not the same agent. It's the same um, trainer. Yeah. Um. So they worked out some in the offseason. So this could be someone that could, that, that, that this could really help. Yeah, and, and one thing that um, I, I think about with this situation and him at tight end is it's I don't know if he would sign that one-year deal depending on if he thinks he's going to get some money in free agency. You're not going to turn that down. True. But ultimately, not only in last game did McDonald go down, but Grimble got hurt, and then they just had Gentry. I mean... Yeah, Gentry completely whiffed on that block, which blew up the play that... Connor fumbled. He still shouldn't have fumbled, but that play was doomed from the beginning. Yeah. But I mean, why are you calling a play that the key block is your is your rookie tight end who was inactive the first two weeks and was only in his tenth snap in the NFL in the regular season, and you're trying to run the clock out and you're calling um, an outside play that the key block comes from that position? That's uh, that's just not smart. Yeah, I know. Um, so. It's 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 worth it. That's going to be a position to watch tomorrow because I we talked about it before we went on the air. Will the Steelers make a move? I don't think they can, but it's going to be Gentry and Vanette as your tight ends in Week Four, and you just pray for good health because yeah. you you really don't want to have to put Gentry on the field too much in that game. Period. Yeah. And so, I I was surprised. I thought the Steelers might since they have three tight ends on the practice squad right now. Um, that they might have pulled one of them up for this game just to have a little bit more depth there. Are you counting Christian Scotland Williamson? Well, I'm saying three. technically. So, technically, yeah. yeah. But there's I mean, there's really no way two. he's getting he's getting now. pulled up. But yeah, no. not yet, anyways. No, so, I mean it makes no sense to do that. He's a he's a free practice squad guy. Excellent. So might as well keep him there as long as you can. All right. Here is a question, I guess, from Jeff's sports blitz. He says, uh, "Do I believe 
the Steelers fight for a wild card. This it's interesting. If you've been following our channel for a long time, um, you notice that my backdrop is different now, and that's because I'm back in my hometown of Wheeling, West Virginia. Uh, I've got a golf tournament with my dad tomorrow, and we were talking about the Steelers as we always do when we get together. And he said, "I just don't know if this team can compete." I was like, "Dad, seriously, this it's exactly what we talked about on the preview. It's what we talked about on the standards of standard. It's a one game season from now on." You know, no one in their right mind can think down the road to um, a playoff, even a scenario, a playoff scenario. They're 0 3. He said, Well, I think they need to win their next three before they go to the bye. So that's the Bengals, that's the Ravens, and that's going on the road and beating the Chargers. Not easy. It's not, and that's, a, that's not an easy road to hoe. And so I, I looked at it and said, You know what? Let's just beat the Bengals on Monday, yeah. and then we'll talk about the Ravens on Sunday. And if we beat the Ravens on Sunday, then we'll talk about the Chargers. I can't think that far ahead. I, I really can't because this this season it, it, in its entirety has been just one giant, I want to say cluster, you know what, but it's more so just one giant question mark yeah. from Roethlisberger's injury to the trade for Minka Fitzpatrick to the trade for Nick Bennett, to trading Joshua Dobbs. It's just been a whirlwind of news. And Dave's first season as the deputy <laughs> editor has just been a whirlwind of news. You should be thankful you didn't have that position during Mr. Third and Fifth's antics uh, oh, earlier in the offseason. But still, um, it's it's one of those situations where I, I just think that it, it, if, if, any, if fans are, are smart, just take it one game at a time. Just yeah. Let's just beat the Bengals. That's just well, your singular focus. I, I think you could do a little bit more than that if you if you really wanted to, and that is, forget the wild card. No, just forget the wild card. Your path your path to the playoffs is the North. You want to you got to win your you got to win your division games. You've got to win the North. You've got to cheer against the other teams playing in the North. End of story. Don't even don't even think about wild card. Just focus singularly on as a fan on winning the AFC North. End of story. It might be their only path to the playoffs if they have one. Um, And so root hard against the AFC North. So I guess this week, because both teams, all four teams play each other, uh, the Browns go to Baltimore and Cincinnati goes to Pittsburgh. So you got to be rooting for the Browns to upset the Ravens at home. That is a place where Cleveland plays well, though. I want to talk about the Browns for a second. Cause oh, boy. No, if you think the Steelers are, are in a bad place, have you seen the Browns' schedule? The it's Browns rough. are one and two. They've got to play the Ravens. Their, their next four games are the Ravens, the Seahawks, the 49ers and the Patriots. So they've got to play the Ravens and then the three teams that the Steelers have already played. They they're they're one and two. They could very well be one and six mm-hmm. after seven weeks. But then after that, look at the rest of their rest of their schedule. The only teams on there that they probably are gonna have to worry about are Pittsburgh and Baltimore one more time. That's yeah. it. I mean, they have a they have a cake schedule late in the season. So I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure that I really want to root for the Browns right now because I think they could be pretty much almost knocked out of it by the middle of the season to where they would just have to win out, which they could, but it'd be one of those tough things. 
let's just beat Cincinnati on Monday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's the just only beat. reason I care about the Ravens and Browns game is because it happens before yes. the Steelers and yes. Bengals play. If it didn't, I wouldn't even care. I'd be like, I'm focused on the Steelers and Bengals. And at this point, you just hope the teams beat each other up. You know, beat yeah. each other up. Just, just, and let's just beat the Bengals yeah. on Monday. That's yeah. it. Jeff, someone in the live chat asked, well, when are they taking questions? We've been taking questions from the very beginning. If you're just it's joining a, us, yeah, it's a fire them out there. We're, we're, we're looking for them. We're, we're going to rapid fire. It's been a good show so far. So if you have yeah. any other questions, go ahead and feel free to fire well, those away. I've uh, been anything but rapid fire. I've gone on and on with okay. my answers. <laughs> it, it's okay. Not a problem. Let's hear. Someone asked about the metric system. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. who wants to know about the metric system? Uh, Dallas said, if we go to the metric system, how long would the football field be? <laughs> um, Do not answer be... that question. Do not answer that question. <laughs> you don't want me to answer it? I can answer it. If you know it, go for sure. It's, I think I'm pretty sure it's 91.77 yards. All right, there you go. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know, I was a high school physics teacher for a long time. So that was right in my wheelhouse. There you go. Uh, let's see here. Here's a, a Dallas with another question. This is a little bit more serious. Who's better, Andy Dalton or Mason Rudolph? Mason Rudolph has one start. Yeah, Mason Rudolph is zero and one. So, yeah. um, that's that. You, you can't really you you can't yeah, answer that right now. I mean, now. based based on what we've seen so far, you would have to say Dalton. But I'm not um, ask again in four weeks, and it could be completely the other way around. Yeah. Um, here we go. No asked this question earlier and I wasn't able to really understand what he was saying, but he kind of simplified. He said, do you guys think this Steelers this year will become like last year's bears team, better line and receivers? Um, I guess in that regard, he's talking about a pretty solid defense, uh, a defense that takes the ball away because the bears defense did that a lot last year and a dare I say game manager quarterback, Dave, do you see any similarities there? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know much about the Bears. I really don't. Yeah, um, I don't. I I really don't. I I don't. You know, I I feel like I'm so in tune with the Steelers so much that I mean, I still follow football. I still watch football, but I, it, it, my my level of knowledge is so lopsided that I I, I don't know that I can answer that. Okay. Yeah, I, it's fine. Um, here we go. Here's another question. Darren says. Has there been a wild Justin Lane spotting at all? Feel like that kid just disappeared. And to me, yeah. it was if he had to play as a rookie year, it, the Steelers defense was in bad shape, plain and simple. Yeah. Um, this was expected to me that he was going to be an inactive player almost every week. He's going to learn. But was he active was, last week? I was shocked. He was active last week. They had him mm -hmm. active rather than that's who got the helmet in place of Dante Moncrief. Because you know, it, it was between Moncrief, Lane, and Gentry. And two of them were going to get helmets, and it was Gentry and Lane. Did so, Lane see snaps on special teams? On special teams, he did. Good. He did not see any snaps on defense. I, he is only going to get on defense if oh, there's exactly, a yeah. lot of problems. So, but no, but that's good. I, I don't mind getting him out there and getting some getting. If if there's that many guys hurt, get him out there, let him play some special teams and everything. That that'll be good. Honestly, I'm I'm I've been working on my prediction for the for the inactive list. I have him active again this week too with all the injuries that there are. 
All right. So Nathan asked, uh, do you think James Conner was healthy last game? It seemed like he was losing his balance before any contact. Um, it's it's tough to tell. I mean, he battled a he was coming off the knee, knee. injury. I yeah. forgot about him with the knee because he practiced the last two days of the week, but so I never even thought about that. Yeah. Um I you would hope that if he's even banged up a little bit and he's not a hundred percent that they would rather play other have other players get the ball. That I'm telling you, I don't I don't really want to talk about that because it was just with Jalen Samuels not touching the ball at all and Benny Snell getting three carries, it just made no sense at all. So I'm scrapping that game. We're on to Cincinnati, as Bill Belichick once yeah. famously said. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, this question, do you think Devin Bush has an interception this game and don't say my name? I appreciate you saying I don't have to say your name because <laughs> I can't say your name. So um, I'm going to say no to an interception, but I bet he has a fumble recovery because that guy just always is around the football. He has yeah. three, I think, this season. He leads the NFL in fumble recoveries. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. Like I said, he he's in the run game. When when offensive linemen have a head of steam coming at him, it's hard for him to get off blocks. But I mean, that's those guys are enormous, and when they can really get moving downfield, it's hard for anyone to come off blocks. That's why I'd like to see our offense call plays to where our offensive line, our offensive linemen get to pour downfield and kind of, and make those kind of blocks. But regardless, even if he's getting pushed, he's still fighting back to the ball all the time. Yeah. You see it enough, and at least I do, that he's going to be good. It's just going to take some time. He's a rookie. Yeah. He's only played three games. <laughs> you know, again, this is our instant gratification society where we want these draft picks to come in. Remember, folks, Troy Palomalu was not Troy Palomalu his first year. Troy Palomalu really wasn't even Troy Palomalu early in his second year. It, but it, was, it took him some time, and then he flashed, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, this guy's incredible. Ryan Shazier struggled as a rookie. Go ahead, Dave. No, that's that. That's the, the you just gave the great justification of why the Minka Fitzpatrick trade was so fantastic, because you draft guys, they can struggle as a rookie, and then they get better. We've he's got that year of playing experience. We didn't have to worry about oh, is he really living up to his draft status or anything like that. Ah, uh, we're just happy with how we got him. It was a great trade. Yeah, I agree. Ron asked Jeff and Dave, do you believe Samuels can be a safety valve for Rudolph? Uh, yeah, if they use him. <laughs> yeah, he, he phrased that question perfectly. Can he? Yes, yeah. he can. Will he? Ooh, let's see what the game plan is. If, uh, I don't have much faith in the game plan. I haven't had much faith in the game plan for a while. Uh, we'll be, you know. It'll be interesting. Here's Tom. He's from Germany. He says, greetings from Germany. Thanks for tuning in, Tom. We appreciate it. What are your expectations for a new tight end? So let me ask you, Dave, if you were to say a stat line for Vanette after week four, let's say you're doing a one-game Fanduel lineup, or is Vanette getting into your lineup? Oh, it depends on how much he costs. If he's cheap, then I'll I'll do it. I, I think he's going to – I'd give him at least four catches because they're, they're going to need to use him. I – Vance McDonald is doubtful. They have not, the Steelers have not had a doubtful player actually dress for a game in years, if ever, since they've gone to that doubtful designation. So I think he's going to, let's say four catches, 55 yards, could even possibly throw in a touchdown. Mm, 
All right, I like that. I like the four catches. I don't know if it'll be 55 yards. We'll see. Darren asked, why do you guys think Deontay Johnson got the start over James Washington? He didn't. I was going to say, I thought James Washington. No, they started with three three wide wide receivers. receivers. But in terms of total snaps, who got more do you know? Oh, that's a great question. Um, You look at it. Why don't we talk about some other things, and I'll get that answer for you in just a minute. Okay. Raymond Santiago says uh, he's the one that says I'm a Ben Roethlisberger hater. Will the Steelers run the ball effectively versus the Bengals? I hope so. I really do hope so. We'll see if they can do that. We talked about that at the beginning of the show and the Steelers' ability to run the ball, especially against a loaded box, because I think that's what the Bengals are going to do, because that's what everyone's done. That's been the MO for all of the Steelers' opponents this season. We'll see if uh, if that comes to fruition. Um Ask someone else about LJ4. We already talked about that a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, X Eddie B says, who's playing fullback? Uh, no one. Will they use one? No. That's just the answer. <laughs> um, when Roosevelt next is healthy, I mean, back, there's just no. There's no one on the there's yeah. no one on the roster. If they had Sutton Smith on the roster, no, and I mean like and even the one person be, that was filling in yeah. is now on injured reserve. So, do you have those numbers, Dave? I do. Well, I know. Well, James Washington played 49 out of 53 offensive snaps. Um, wow. Juju Smith-Schuster played all 53. And Deontay yeah. Johnson was just just behind him with 42 offensive snaps. So if you're looking at the offensive snaps um, just in in order from, from most to, to least, you had your five offensive linemen and Mason Rudolph play in every snap. Then it went Juju every snap, Washington. Johnson, they played more snaps than James Conner, both of them. Do you think, do you see a change at that? I, I hope not. I I'm, I was not upset with the wide receivers being no. utilized the way they were. I like it. Let's go yeah. with those three. Let's roll with those three. If you need to go a four or five wide receiver set, then you pull out Holden and Switzer. But other than that, just keep those three out there. The only time they should be coming off the field is if you're only using one or two. Yeah, no, you're right. So, uh, okay, let's uh, wrap this show up a little bit. Deron says, do you agree that Rudolph's hesitation was from a lack of experience? I completely agree. I mean, I, yeah. what, do you, what do you expect? I mean, the guy was making his first NFL start. It takes time. I mean, that's the most important position of on the most important team in the most important league um, of every, you know what I'm saying? The way I'm looking at it is I, you couldn't expect him to just come out and be 100%. You know, if he just didn't care, like I'm just going to come out and fling it and do whatever I do, I'd almost be a little bit worried. More him being that way, his hesitation, I don't, I don't look at it as a bad thing for a guy in his first start but now he's got to get over it. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. He's, he just has to learn from this stuff. And and that's, that's going to be the, the tell sign for me, you know, because the Bengals are going to come out and try to do the same thing. The 49ers did, whether did he learn from that game? That's the key for me. Everyone's going to make mistakes early in their career. And yes, even though he's a second year player, he's essentially a rookie. He held a clipboard yeah. every game last year. He didn't dress once. He's essentially a rookie. So because of that, how does he respond? How does he respond from a an outing that he labeled himself as poor? We'll see. 
Snowman puts $2 in the tip jar. He says, do you see any more trades from the Steelers this year? Dave, what are your thoughts on that? Unless there's a, another big rush of catastrophic injuries at one position, I'm going to just go with the big fat no on that one. I think they're probably done as well. I, I think they're done as well. And and um, it's one of those situations where, like you said, injuries or I think if anything, they would try to pick up a player who is cut from a team or released from a team because they're pretty high on the waiver, uh, the waiver list now. So they were, I think tied for fourth heading into week four. So in regards to waiver priority, so they would obviously be able to, you know, get their hands on a guy before someone else, Kathy Ford, uh, or Kathy puts $2 uh, in the live chat in the tip jar. She says, uh, thanks Jeff and Dave like this format. I, I like it too. I thought it was a good show. Yeah. Uh, this is a show that we'll do uh, if we have one of those weird games. So, for instance, if it's a Thursday night game, uh, we'll, we're still going to give you one podcast a day, folks. And so if you're not checking out our YouTube channel, go to YouTube.com, search BTSE Steelers Radio. And if you don't know that we have audio platforms in every single place that you get your podcast, so that's Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anchor I, I think we're on anchor i'll have to double check but anywhere we get your podcast if you search behind the steel curtain or steelers we will be there we do ask if you all listen to um if you all listen to us on itunes please 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 give us a give us a five-star rating if you enjoy the content and good give us good a good comment um because it's it sucks that our feed didn't get replaced but is this available on PDF? No. On MP3, yes, it is. So you can check that out. Oh, oh my sorry. Gosh, <laughs> but uh, uh, this feed goes back way back to our blog talk radio days. And whereas Lance and I once a week doing the standard is a standard. And then maybe a second show when myself and Brian Anthony Davis started the Steelers Hangover. And this was like four or five years ago that we started these shows. And our sound quality was awful. It was really bad. And so we have some of these reviews that are bad. I want to get them out of there. I want to get them all ref all good, nice new comments, new ratings to helps us with, you know, getting ourselves out there. So appreciate that. Um, anything to say, Dave, before we call it a night? No, it was fun. I like doing this um, with more than one of us because it kind of gives us a chance to bounce ideas and questions. Yes. And when one person's talking, the other person can kind of gauge the Yes. <laughs> That's very helpful. Because so. it's sometimes like you, know, you give over 100. I think we had 120 at some point tonight uh, watching live, and they're all con most of them are commenting. It's tough to follow. And so when Dave's answering a question, I'm scanning to see if there's anything otherwise to there. Um, <laughs> this is funny from Noah. Just wanted to say I'm a 16-year-old diehard fan living in a house where my dad's a Ravens fan. Love listening to you guys. Well, you know what, Noah? If anyone can sympathize with you, it is the guy to the side of me, whichever side that is, and me and Brian Anthony Davis because we all live in the state of Maryland and we're surrounded by those purple-wearing idiots every day and it's not fun. But you know what? In two weeks, after the Steelers beat the Bengals and they beat the Ravens, it's nice to fly those colors yes, and you is. just get to walk around town wearing your black and gold, just feeling great, feeling great. It's just like when the penguins beat the, uh, it's like when the penguins beat the caps, yeah. you just, you're flying, you're like on, on cloud nine. So, um, all right. 
so Dave, thank you for your time. You jumped in on last second notice. I appreciate that. Tomorrow, let's hope on for uh yeah he says he will uh lance will be on from uh for his own steelers burning question and then i will be on monday night after the game probably maybe with lance he, he's not sure if he can make it because he's on the west coast all this stuff i will definitely be on for the post game show so make sure you check it out then and the rest of the week will be as usual so check us out dave thanks for your time as lance always says when he's around tune in tell a friend and subscribe we will see you uh, Monday night. I'll see you Monday night after hopefully the Steelers' first win of the season.